Hello and welcome to Expansion Pack, episode 54. This is our, our bonus monthly show that we do for you lovely patrons who throw us money and support and all that. And thank you so much for being patrons. Uh, this month, I thought, and you know, we're, you know us, I'm Trey, John and Jeremy are here. Uh, I thought, I thought this month we would talk about, you know, one of my, what's very special to me, one of my favorite uh, systems of all time, maybe one of the greatest systems of all time, and that's the Nintendo GameCube. Which has always been known as one of the greatest systems of all time. To me, it was. Since it was. It was appreciated <laughs> so much back in the day, and now it's just become legendary, you know? Yeah, I feel like it was basically the most mainstream system. <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe it didn't sell as well when it came out, but you know what? Some people don't know how, to un- know how to appreciate things when they come out, and then they get wiser later in their older years. But this person right here, me, I always knew that the GameCube was also great, me. and I always loved the GameCube, so... All you Xbox people, you can just fuck right off. That's what I say to you. No, uh, yeah, you just play <laughs> computers. You just have a computer. You can now. go play Halo. Let's see how how well that's aged. Yeah, the GameCube was uh, is still one of my favorite systems of all time. And I didn't realize that it was just the birthday of the Nintendo 64. I guess we could have got an episode on that. But no, we're doing it on GameCube because GameCube yep. is life. GameCube is love and all that. GameCube is tiny. And also, you know, we're in this new golden age of GameCube on switch where we're you know we're getting some re-releases some gamecube stuff re-released like uh you know we got pikmin 1 and 2 and bot and kaidos and super mario sunshine you know uh, plenty of uh gamecube games getting re-released and i like to say i hope that trend oh yeah not to mention thousand year door is coming it's coming soon next week is next year not next week so uh lots of gamecube stuff coming so i was like hey let's do an episode about our favorite gamecube games because we have not done that yet so we are going to do our top 10. And I put together a soundboard so you can listen to some. So I, I got some fun stuff from the games. Maybe you can guess what they are whenever I, whenever it comes to me. And I'll say this is my number or whatever. I'll place a, a section from the game and you can see if sure. you can figure it out. I'm and sure. for me, I'll just do that, but with my mouth. It'll be even more fun. <laughs> I'm sure you'll. And I'll do that with the smell that you will smell as you're listening. I'm sure you'll figure it out pretty, pretty, pretty easy. But, uh. Should I, I mean, should I go last or first? Who wants to go? What's the, what's our order here with number 10? Let's do the usual. Keep it simple. Like the GameCube. That means me. (laughs) The GameCube is a great system. I mean, for anybody, like coming off of the Nintendo 64, you know, that was like cartridge based and, you know, we finally got discs, even though they were smaller discs, but finally having discs for Nintendo was pretty cool for me. You know, I I was excited about it. And there, and there's still a lot of, you know, looking at the games, if you if you like can maximize your photo your uh, video enough patrons if you look at the top corner here my actual top ten is is in the order right here so Uh-oh. spoilers spoilers so that you can find it right there I already arranged them specifically so so I would actually I think they're a little bit different now but you can look at that and think that that's what it is see mine are arranged yeah, autobiographically might yes we have to remember where you got them from no I, I thought I, I thought I'd do my uh, list a little bit different I guess. I'm not, you know, I'm going for the games that I played the most, like the ones that I loved the most, the ones that like were in regular rotation all the time on GameCube. So there might be a couple missing that you're like, where's that one? Well, that's why it's not there, because I didn't play it as much as the other ones. Also that the rest of the show might fill in some of those holes. With yeah, also choices. they're probably on your other list, so it's fine. <laughs> you know, you'll 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 pick up the slack for that. But the, my, but my number 10 is uh, the ultimate clash between different characters from different games coming together in the ultimate showdown fighting each other on the GameCube. And I think you know I feel like this is a misdirection. I think you I know really what this I think you know what this game is. Cuz here it is. This is the tournament for the 
Godzilla game, the all-star monsters melee, something like that. The Godzilla game, you know what I'm talking about. No, but that's a good guess. Actually, I forgot about that game. That game's really good as well. But I'm no. going to say it's uh, F-Zero Blue Storm. <laughs> or not F-Zero. Uh, wave Race. Wave Race Blue Storm. <laughs> no, not Wave Race. Let's, let's let the game tell you what the, what the game is called. How about that? Capcom versus SNK2. Mark of the uh, Millennium 2001. Yeah, Capcom versus SNK2, which, uh, so I, you know, I kind of did a misdirect there trying to make you think that you're, I'm talking about Super Smash Brothers Melee, but the game that we played the most when I was in college on, on a bunch of student films was Capcom versus SNK2. Like that game was off the charts. Like we played that game like it was going out of style. And it was the first time I had ever really experienced the SNK fighting characters. So like, uh, Terry Bogard and like, um, and uh, what's the the guy from Samurai Showdown and like all, all these different characters from Art of Fighting and like uh, you know King of Fighters and all these different games are in there and it was finally the combination of the Street Fighter stuff versus the SNK stuff and it basically sparked my interest into it and brought me into buying all the stuff for Wii later when I bought like I said Art of Fighting and all that stuff even though I did I, th- I think I did I did play Fatal Fury on Super Nintendo when I was a teenager and I did play Art of Fighting as well but I didn't know it as as well but. Yeah, I think Capcom vs. SNK2 like still stands up. Like it's a game that I still play to this day. You know, I'll, I'll put it on and still play it. It has a great soundtrack. Like the backgrounds are really cool. Uh, it's got a whole bunch of different modes that you can do, like on, on how you you know decide how you're going to use your finishing move and all that. Like you've you got super moves. Uh, you can pick three characters. You know, you can't you can't tag them in and out like you would in Marvel vs. Capcom 2. But it was it was the closest thing to that that we got for uh, for the Nintendo GameCube and. For me at the time, like the fact that like sixty four had like pretty much been shunned by like Street Fighter and all that, like you know there was no Capcom fighting games on sixty four. It was really refreshing to see Capcom come back to the GameCube and bring this like wonderful game over there. And I think it was, I think I don't know if it's still, but I think on the box it, it said only for GameCube. It was a GameCube exclusive, even though I think it might have been on Dreamcast or another system before that, but. It was a pretty big deal, and we even play. I remember playing it with Jeremy. Like I remember playing it with our friend Megan. I remember, like I said, playing it at school, playing it on whenever I did a, when I would work on student films. Like we would take it to the hotel where we were staying at, and we would play it, and everybody was really into it. And yeah, it just got a lot of got a lot of mileage. And I was like, I, on my list, I, I'm trying to like just keep everything like maybe one thing from every genre. So I'm like, well, what is my favorite fighting game? And my favorite fighting game on GameCube is Capcom vs. K2, hands down. It's a wonderful game. It's a lot of fun to play. And uh, I played the shit out of it. I, I bought my Hori controllers specifically for that game. And the Hori controllers are basically, they're GameCube, game, GameCube controllers, but they look like Super Nintendo controllers. So they have larger uh, D-pads, so you can do the special moves easier. So that was what, and I got two of those specifically for that game. And it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty monumental. So Capcom versus SNK2. For anybody who's uh like even my friends on the Discord like Joe and Shake were both like huge fans of it, so it's still people still talk about it like it's that you know it's that much of an exciting game, and I would love to see obviously I would love to see any of these games re released on Switch, but 
Yeah, Capcom versus SNK two. Make it happen. Let's let's get that shit out there. That, that game was was really cool and a lot of fun. And I think, uh, well, there's a there's a version of it on Switch. You can actually play Capcom versus SNK on Neo Geo Pocket Color. You can buy that on Switch. It's not the GameCube one, but you can get that version of it, and it's like seven dollars. So if you want to see, if you want to play a Capcom versus SNK game, that's what you get on Switch. And I have it. It's it's fun to play, you know. But it's it's everybody's chibi because it's a Neo Geo Pocket Color game. But you know, that's the one that you can rotate ninety degrees, right? I don't know what you mean. In the Neo Geo Pocket, you could like rotate it and then like play it um, vertically. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know about that. I've never actually owned one, but uh, yeah, but I, but I played it on Switch, and the game is you know it plays fine. I think you have less buttons, like you don't have the full six buttons, but still, it you know for someone like me who only really uses the fear, the fierce punch and kick, like you really don't need all the buttons, you know. But yeah, wonderful fighting game. It's still, I if you you know check the videos if you're on the five dollar level, you've seen I, I played in the background still on the, on these uh, on these things, so you can catch it there. Number ten for me. I have a feeling my number ten is going to be on at least one of your guys' lists, but well, you know, you know, I don't have is. a, I don't have a clue. Hold on, maybe I can do it on my phone. You don't have a clip? That's fine. You don't have to have clips. Wait, but I, I spent a lot of time on these clips last night. Some of them are hard to, some of them are really hard to to uh, to, sh- to like you know show the game through audio form, like especially the ones that don't really have like voice or anything like that. You know, so some of it was kind of challenging to figure out, like, well, what would I use to represent this game? Through audio. There's a couple of them where maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. We'll anyway, I, I can't. My game for number 10 is a game that I really liked because it made a genre I usually don't really like that much accessible for me. I had a really good time with it. It was fun. And I think as a result, I became a bit more confident playing those kinds of games. And by that, I mean Time Splitters 2. Oh, yeah. That one. Yeah. Yeah. That That's a runner up for me, for sure. Like, I, I thought about trying to fit it on my list somewhere, but Time Splitters Two is an incredible, incredible game. Like, yeah, no, I, 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 I love that game. I'm surprised. Yeah, I thought I thought, I thought it would be on your list because I remember you being so into that game. We played that a whole lot. Do you have it on your list, John? I do. There, there might be another first-person game that's that's on my list already that I uh, that maybe I didn't want to have two first two first-person games on there. There you right. go. Well, for me, Time Splitters Two is just a super accessible shooter. Um, a really fun part about it was how different each level was. You would have like basically a different time period each level you were in, and then I can't remember if you were a different character each time or not. I think you were. Yeah, no, no, you, you are, and and it's they they kind of like show it more in in the third one and Future Perfect after that. But yeah, you you turn you turn into a different person from a different time whenever whatever you warp to. So there's like a really cool level, you know, like where you're fighting aliens and it's like 50 style flying saucer kind of like got that like uh, Buck Rogers or whatever kind of feeling to it. And then um, then there's a level where you're like in 1920s Chicago, I think, or maybe it's New York. I can't remember. But it's, it's, it's Chicago, like, like a mobster level. And you like go around and you like kill mobsters. And one of the I remember one of the objectives was to like drain all the, the barrels of whiskey or whatever. that they. Oh, had. yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Because you're a cop. I think you're a cop and you're supposed to be like busting the mob. But yeah, there's just a bunch of cool like thematic levels like that. There's like a medieval one. And it's really fun because you get to go from place to place shooting things. And uh, this, I think, was the first game I played that had the dual stick set up. The first fight, uh, like shooter. Oh, yeah. And it felt really weird at first. Running and aiming. Yeah. But now, like, that's the only way to play a shooter on the console. Yeah, I think it was the same for me. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That could have been, yeah, that could have been for me too. Because I don't know what 
Well, I, don't, I, don't, I guess I would have to look at when it when it was released. No, actually, that wouldn't matter because my other one doesn't have dual analog. So it might have been the yeah, the first one that I played that played like that. Yeah, it was actually released October twenty fifth, two thousand and two. Yep, it's on the it's on the uh, list of uh you know of the best year in video games two thousand two, which we decided on a previous episode. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, Time Splitters two was wonderful game. A lot of fun for multiplayer too. It had some really good uh, split screen oh, yeah. on there, and not to mention it was developed by some of the original developers who had done uh, Perfect Dark and Goldeneye. So it was like this was the next thing that they did yeah. after that. And I loved how it, it none of it takes itself seriously at all. Like you, yeah. you, you can play as a giant okay. hand, you can play as monkeys. Like there's it's all really there's cartoony. all sorts of dumb shit in there. And and there is like there's like a James Bond type character, but he's just like a stoner with like a big afro and. It's yeah. a you know they they totally are like pay, are poking fun at they're, they're they're trying to poke fun at other like first person shooter style stuff and yeah it's it's very it's very fun yeah they're making fun of it but they managed to make a really good game in the meantime and it's fun and it's accessible I think you know I feel like at the time you know we we were just what four years out from when Goldeneye had been released and yeah for me still still like that was the high standard and we're still kind of basking in that era and then that was like goldeneye on the gamecube like if you wanted that same experience but even better this uh, that was it time splitters 2 i think i bought that game for you also john because it was because it went on sale it went on sale pretty quickly i think i got it for 15 bucks and gave it to you for your birthday or something like that because i wanted you to because i I wanted you to play it because i was really excited about it yeah i think so it it also did the same thing that like goldeneye and perfect perfect dark did where there were different uh difficulties and there were different um missions combined with that so like there's like you know like age agent, secret agent, perfect agent, whatever. Like same sort of thing where the the level is different depending on what level you're playing on. Like you you have more more objectives that you have to do, which is cool. Yeah, it's my number ten. Uh, John, I don't know if you just want to save it for talking about it a bit more when it gets to your place, or if we want to talk about it now. I don't know how we want to do that. Yeah, I guess I kind of got all all that I have to say. That's all I have to say on it. Really, just okay. You know, I, I like that. Uh, it was the golden Eye experience on the GameCube bigger and better than ever i think what we normally do is like whenever some if somebody says one that's on your list before you do uh, we both talk about it at the same time and when you get to the number you'll say what number it was is basically how we yep. do it that's how we know what the like what the best actual games are yeah because we're all if they're all on the same list yeah because then we got to do the, the the tally at the end so i guess i should keep track of that start doing that now my number 10 and i actually have a clip from the game oh well pew 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 yeah, it's Star Wars Rogue Leader. Damn it, you got to it before me. Hold on, wait. Let, yep. me, let me play my clip. Watch yourself. There's a lot of fire coming from the right side of that deflection tower. I copy, Red Leader. We've got to destroy those deflection towers. Red Leader, we've got you covered. I'm going after the towers. Cover me. So yeah, I wanted to make sure and get yeah. enough uh, of the fake Luke voice on there because that uh, n- nothing uh, nothing represents uh, Star Wars Rogue Squadron Two Rogue Leader or Rouge Leader. No, don't say it like that. Nothing represents it better than uh, than the fake Luke that uh, that like does the lines, but it don't quite sound right. Whatever, but yeah, no. That game was gorgeous. Like that was one of Fantastic, the first, ga- yep. fir- one of the first GameCube games I ever saw, and it just totally blew my mind. 
Like, well, the first I was game like, wow, games anybody so ever good. saw. Yeah. It still looks really good. It was good. a launch game, yeah. Yeah, launch. So I got this game on launch day, uh, along with another one that may or may not appear on this list. But uh, I bought that one. You know, I'm not I, I, I'm not really a big Star Wars fan. I'm not a Star Wars fan. I wasn't a Star Wars fan at the time. I just saw how beautiful it looked. And, you know, I wanted, like, a flashy showcase game for the system. And, of course, uh, you know, wasn't a, a proper mario game on the system so i went for star wars and i did not regret it because the game was amazing and it was a, a great thing to show people who were just uh you know in the apartment and check out the gamecube see what it can do wow i remember people just being floored by it, not believing that it was actually a video game and, and not a scene from the movie especially that opening uh, you know, where you're doing the famous, the Death the Star famous run. scene in the trenches. Yeah, 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 it just, what a way to open a game. I mean, maybe, maybe one of the best ways to open any game ever. Like the most, you know, wow-inducing kind of moments in video games. I think that's among the top. Because it was such a huge leap from 64 to GameCube, just in general. And, and then to showcase it, like, we're like, well, we're here. We can do movie-like graphics on your home console now so uh that was it was just an amazing system or amazing game rather amazing system yes but an amazing game Mm -hmm. yeah it's a and it was even like you would see clips from the movie like in the menu you know when you're selecting the different missions and all that it it was really cool and it really just made you really excited about star wars like whether you were yeah like you're saying whether you're an actual like star wars nerd or not like you still got excited about it from the presentation of this game and yeah, like that opening scene where it shows it's exactly the same as it is from the movie, but it's with polygons and it looks like, you know, it does that line up where they go straight to the, where they go straight to the Death Star and they're checking in like their rogue numbers or whatever, you know, like they did that whole thing where the, where the Y-Wings and they are, they're all going to it and it just looks exactly like it, but not, but it's, a, but it's created, you know, it's not pulled straight from the movie. It's actually, you know, that sort of thing. So it's a, it's, it's a wonder, it's a wonderful game. And like just the fact that you could walk to your ship like in the like in the little hangar and get in your ship and start the mission like i always thought that was so cool i was like oh yeah and not to mention like multiple codes and you could drive a cadillac and there's all this dumb shit in there that you could do you cannot unlock the no the nabu starfighter and, and all that shit and the, and the millennium falcon and there's a bunch of different bonus levels that you can do not to mention a rogue leader made an appearance again in rebel strike in the less in the less great sequel but still it had its charm for what it is uh, you can play through the whole game in two-player mode as uh, as co-op, which was pretty awesome. And in in a uh, Rebel Strike, in the Rebel Strike game that came out after that, so so that had the, the full original game in it. Yeah, it had the whole it had the full Rogue Leader game in it, and it was two-player split screen. So you could play through the oh. whole thing two-player, and it was awesome. I played it a couple times, and it's yeah, it was a badass. It was incredible. Like uh, I, I remember listening to an interview with Factor Five, the developers. They were on IGN one time, and they were there was a plan to make a collection of Rogue Squadron games for Wii with motion controls. Like there was going to be Rogue Squadron one, two, and three released for Wii, and I guess it got shelved for whatever reason. Maybe their company went under before that. But um, Night Dive Studios, I know your patrons, and you listen to this. Like go uh, get on that and and, and re-release fucking uh, Rogue Squadron one, two, and three. That would be wonderful. Yeah, finally, please love to play those games again. I think Factor yeah, they Five hold all is the cards out. on that one. Yeah, why won't they release it? Well, I mean, you know, I know Disney owns the shit and all that, but yeah. but Factor Five has been great about releasing old Star Wars games, and not even just them. Like, uh, 
you know, they've re-released, like, Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2. Like, now Dark Forces is coming out. Like, we'll probably see Jedi Knight after that, I'm sure. And we've got, like, Jedi Academy and Jedi Outcast and, like, tons of Star Wars games that are getting re-released. Like, get release that and release TIE Fighter, please. Like, I would love to play TIE Fighter again. That would be so cool. That was one of my... I mean, it, it was only a PC game, but it was so much fun to play. Probably one of my top top five best Star Wars games ever. But, yeah, this one as well. Rogue Leader. You'll find out what I, whatever whatever number mine's on when we get to it, but it's definitely in there because yeah, it was a real, it was a really like a showcase for the GameCube, and uh, yeah, yeah, it still looks incredible now to this day, even playing it. I wanted to mention the Hoth levels too. I thought the Hoth levels were really a standout and a lot of fun, like tying up the the ATATs and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, that was cool. Love tying up those AT. We could do a whole ep- well. I'd, I'd be the only one that would know about it. We could do a whole episode on on all the different ways you tie up eight ATATs. Uh, or ad ats, whatever they're called, um, in different games. Because, like, you could do it in the Super Nintendo, Super Empire Strikes Back. You could do it in uh, uh, Shadows of the Empire. And then you could do it in this. And, you know, you could do a whole thing about how many times you've done it. Because they're all over the place. We can move on from that, I guess. Back to me for number nine. This is uh so this is a game that had incredible platforming, very addictive, uh, wonderful cutscenes in there, and uh, it's and you could just tell exactly what the characters were saying. Let's just listen to them talk right now. What is it? It's Super Monkey Super Ball. Super Ookie Ookie Ookie. It's uh, Super Monkey Ball 2. 2. Ah. Number 2. But yes, Super Monkey Guess Ball what? 2. This is also on my list. Yeah, Super Monkey Ball 2 is an excellent game. Uh, also got a ton of mileage on the GameCube. Like, you know, we played the shit out of those party games. Not to mention somehow somehow Jeremy and I beat the single player. I don't know how we did that, but I think most you got through most a of it. A lot of yelling, a lot of very like primitive sounds. But yeah, Notably, I think this was Sega's first game as a third party company. Well, I think well that's true. Well, I don't Th- this I is don't, a sequel. I don't think so. Well, this is two. Oh, I don't I don't think oh, so because yeah, I yeah. think the first would well don't don't forget that um Skies of Arcadia and uh Sonic and Sonic Adventure 2 had already come to GameCube at this time, but before this. Like and I do believe the first Monkey Ball was an arcade first. Like I think Sonic Adventure is 2 right? was a was a very early GameCube release, at least how I, I, how recall I remember Monkey it. Monkey Ball being available within the launch window. The, Monkey, the, Monkey the, Ball one, 1, maybe yeah. maybe before that, but Sonic Adventure 2 came out pretty, was, was I, I thought it was pretty quick to GameCube. GameCube was 
February of 2002, very beginning. So the so the GameCube came out at the end of 2001. Don't forget. So that's right. definitely pretty pretty quick there. But yeah, Super Monkey Ball One might have might have been pretty pretty close. Released. Oh yeah, Super Monkey yep. Ball was 2001. So, yeah. yeah. The arcade came out first, but not by much. Yeah. It was like January of 2001. But Monkey Ball Two was the one that we played or a lot June. of because they added they added a bunch more stuff on it and it had the had the bowling where the bowling like moved like a wave you know Funky like bowling in, yeah or, or or it would like be a curve where you had to throw it and then curve it back and you you could do all these like crazy different uh, bowling lanes. It was the first funky mode game yeah. with monkeys in it yeah it, it, was, it, it, it was funky bowling and they actually made it to where all the characters played differently where like Gon Gon would like throw the ball really far and the baby yeah. one would be slower and like but. Like the aiming would be slower and, and less powerful, but was it me, mate, and I, I were about the same. Yeah, we're kind of like the middle, the middle ones. But yeah, and there was like it was like golf on it. There was shooting. There was like all these extra weird games. Like aside from you know the first like one some, had like yeah, some yeah. of the games weren't even like you're like why is this this arcade shooting game in there? Well, it's just because they could because it didn't really make any sense with like the, for it to be in there other than just for them just cramming as much fun like party style games as they could into it. And it had like this robust single player mode. Well, I mean, it had some pretty hilarious cutscenes that are kind of. Some of them are kind of creepy now because Doctor Badboon was like real, real creepy on Mimi in those yeah. cutscenes. That's kind of why they redid them for the. This one got re-released on Switch as well, like as a as a collection of Monkey Ball One and Two. But, but the, I think uh, that I think what it's one of the most noble quests in the game. Like why you need to defeat the bad guy is because he's going to make all bananas in the world taste like curry. I think I I was behind, I was behind that because I hate bananas and maybe if they tasted like curry I I would I would like them better but no bananas I think taste like ashtrays so I I am behind the uh, the Doctor Badboon way like I support Doctor Badboon let's let's do it let's change the taste of bananas to to not gross maybe you are Doctor Badboon maybe I am secretly Doctor Badboon leave me me alone. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> not that. this one had a lot. Yeah, so I would say I don't think the first game was as big on like themes and stuff this had like thematic levels you know like one of them i remember was really cool it was like oh yeah well, there, there's like the dishwasher like, one laundry yeah, yeah. And there's one that was like <laughs> there's like someone cooking a pot of stew outside yeah there's dishwasher and there's food there's like a food getting cooked in the background mm. like it, it was yeah they did they had like levels like you know like two, i think one two of them you get, swallowed by, two, you get swallowed by a whale you're inside of a whale and you can like see its rib cage and stuff oh yeah and it's just a really fun, like, they made the environments just seem absolutely huge and really just that the physics were, you know, the physics were, to me, reminded me of what we have now with, like, purposefully wonky physics in games like Octodad and, and like, uh, some of these other games that were popular on, uh, especially on PC and stuff. But th- these wonky physics were, like, working for you and against you, you know, they were in those later puzzle levels it's just like oh my god oh like yeah you yeah. would be better off you would be better off sometimes just kind of like for a probability to get you where you needed to go more than skill oh yeah yeah not to mention uh the, the director on this game uh went on to do the yakuza games and also worked on shenmue so i mean and he also worked on another game that i will mention later on my on my on my list but yeah no he's got he's got a pretty amazing credit list and i thought it was just weird that just unbelievable that the guy who did Monkey Ball went from Monkey Ball to Yakuza. You know, like went from Yu Suzuki. It's uh, to- Toshihiro Nagoshi. Uh, okay. He was uh, he was a uh, supervisor, director, and producer on the original Shenmue game, along with along with Yu Suzuki. But he it's was been he, rare was, where he was one of the directors. 
I think this is one of those rare cases where a sequel like gave you exactly what you wanted. It was more of the same and then extra. It wasn't like they tried to like completely change the game or do something like radically different with it. They just made it better and they made it like have a lot more content. And they made it excellent, yeah. Yeah. And that, and not to mention, and also another game that came out in 2002, best best year of games. Right. Uh, also Super what was it? Uh, Super Monkey Ball Jr. Was that what it was called for Game Boy Advance? Came out came out yeah. the same year as well. So, so it was ball, baller year. Which is also a really impressive game because it uses different the, engines based on what you're playing in it. Oh, sure, yeah. 3D effects. For sure. Yeah, Super Monkey Ball 2. Uh, and I actually ended up with two copies of this because on a, on a previous episode, we talked about how about games that we had lost, and I thought I had lost Super Monkey Ball 2. So a uh, friend of the show, Jesse, bought me a, bought me a copy of it. And then I found the Super Monkey Ball 2 when I was moving. So now I have two. So the one that I thought I lost was actually not lost. It was just in a different case. So there you go. So I have, so I have two copies of it now. But whatever. It's a great game. The more the merrier. Sure. All right. Well, for my number nine, not the same game. But once again, I wouldn't be surprised if... Because if you chose the same thing, I'd be like, this isn't happening! Uh-oh. <laughs> wait, wait. Hold on. You mean this? Yes, I can't get I can't get the blood out. Um, yes, Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem. What a fucking fantastic game! Um, nothing quite like it on the GameCube. Nothing quite like it ever, really. Since like Never some games, again, have, yeah. I think some games were maybe inspired by certain elements from it, but all put together as a whole package, this game is something special. And we never got that sequel. We were we might have if it had been kickstarted properly, but. I think they tried multiple times to get funding and we're not having luck with it. I didn't have enough yeah. money to, to support them at the time. I'm sure I was real broke at that time. And I would have if I could have. But this was, you know, this was, we didn't have, I don't think we had anything like this on the GameCube. I think this came out to the GameCube before we ever had any Resident Evil games on it. And um, I thought it was, I think it was post Resident Evil 1, the, the remake. The remake? Okay. I think. Hold on. Let me Let me double check. I think just because of when I remember playing it, because I thought I got it over the summer after I'd already been at Columbia for for however long. So I thought I thought the I thought the Resident Evil remake was I thought it, I thought anyway that, I thought that was I like can... a two thousand one two thousand two game. Well, not it wouldn't be two thousand one. It'd be it 2002. was two thousand two. Yeah, but yeah, I'll keep I can keep talking about it in the meantime. But yeah, it was you know I never finished it. I got pretty far into it. I really want to try finishing it again. But kind of like my number ten time splitters. You're in a bunch of different time periods and you're different characters, but they're all part of the same family. And so it's sort of a murder mystery. You're trying to figure out what killed your, I think it's your uncle, or your grandfather. It's your grandfather. They're about, uh, they're about three months apart. So, uh, Resident Evil, the remake came out first in March and then, uh, and then, uh, the Eternal Darkness came out in June, same year, okay. 2002. Well- Two more excellent games for 2002, supporting my point that 2002 is the best game here in games. You know, you have a pretty strong point. But yeah, this game's just, it's something special. It's very, you know, very gory, very um, twisted for a Nintendo game. And I think, I don't know if it came out on anything else. I think it was a GameCube exclusive. It never, right? yeah, it never did. That's why it's so, that's why it's so expensive also. It's like $300 to get a copy or something like that. Is it like really? That. 
Yeah. Maybe not. It's at least at least a hundred, maybe two. You know, I oh you have one. I don't have I have a copy of just the disc, but I don't have the I mean, good enough. You can play it. No, I know I know it's I know it's a pretty expensive. I'll, I'll, I will game. say all the games on my list I own. Which wasn't like it wasn't a prerequisite, it just it was what I did. Well me too. I did the same. Uh, you can well you can buy uh you can buy it for eighty dollars on eBay right now. So just disc only. That's not as as bad. I, it says it's. I don't know. I was at a store and someone, some other kid was buying it, and they bought it for a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah, I would say something, something around that. Like some people have it, like for a hundred and thirty. I saw somebody buy it at a store once too. That's kind of crazy. We both saw that. Yeah, this kid bought it for like this kid paid over a hundred bucks for it, and he was just like a young kid. He like seemed like he just. I might just be co-opting your story. I thought, you might be. I think that's it. I think I just. It was that disc replay, and the kid story. like. Seemed like young, like maybe he just got his first paycheck or something like that, you know. Like, now I can finally experience nice. eternal darkness. No, it you know it's a kind of similar to Time Splitters. Actually, it, it takes you through different time periods right. and you play as different characters in each time period. Right. And I always thought it was cool that like your weapons change as you go, and like the you know yeah. it, when you get closer to the future, you'll have like a gun or something. Like you can shoot the guys with a gun. Like that's like some of the later levels. You know, is where originally you're like hitting people with a sword or whatever, and it like has to do with whatever the so time, it's time the, period uh, you're in. Is it the Necronomicon that you're that you're uh, or something like that? It's like it's like a Necronomicon type book that you're uh, yeah, you're collecting pages. Grandfather to it, has, yeah. and like the pages are taking you through the experiences of each of the members of the Royvis family that like had these brushes with uh these lovecraftian well not even lovecraftian type it's totally lovecraftian it's the same gods and uh that's one really fun thing about it like it's like a it's a different kind of horror than resident evil because it's a supernatural horror even though you're still getting sort of kind of like zombies and stuff it's kind of it's that lovecraftian like grotesque uh what, what does he say like he can't it's just so twisted lovecraft can't even describe it in his books like how messed up it is but yeah it's like cthulhu's in there and all these other folks i don't remember all their names i know cthulhu's mentioned is one of the runes um and you're kind of building these different spells based on these runes and it's got a very like magic with a k i think it's actually used in the game as that but yeah, yeah very magic you're putting things together with these runes and you're you're doing these spells and and stuff and it's a fun game, yeah. And then, of course, you know, Trey, if you want to, maybe highlight one of the coolest features of the game. Well, uh, I mean, as far as the... I was going to say something to do with the magic as well. Like, uh, it was really cool. You could create your own spells, like, by collecting these runes, and you put them together, and they do different things. But also, don't forget what was really cool is at the very beginning, there's, like, this... There's this rock, paper, scissors thing, you know, where there's, like, red... Yeah. Was it red, blue, and green, or whatever? And, like, one is... Uh, what they'll get you, they'll get you different spells earlier depending on what you get and it's almost kind of like an easy medium hard selection of the game so like depending on which one you do like you might get the heal spell earlier if you choose the green one or something like that and that makes it easier and i've actually because of this i actually beat the game four times because you have to you beat it with all three of the things and you beat it a fourth time and then there's a different ending because all of these other uh, whatever the um the colors have been defeated and then this basically the whatever the Cthulhu monster like basically comes out and destroys the world just like the way it ends in the fourth in the fourth uh, beating but it's it's pretty cool because you because you've destroyed all these other like monsters that represent the different colors and then there's a purple one that's even stronger than that say the, the purple one I don't think around. is a I think the purple one's just like universally good like you can just use it against anybody at any of the other 
colors and it's stronger. Yeah. But I don't think it has like a outer god attached to it. Or if it does, I don't think you end up fighting that god as a boss. You do well at any point. You don't. It it is in the ending if you beat it four times. Okay. The 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 the, the uh, whatever the the purple monster. Because you can't pick the purple one. You have to actually. It's like hidden in the game. You have to find it using like some kind of possession skill where you like possess a scorpion. I think and go into like a. It's some kind of like scorpion creature you possess, and that's how you find that rune. I just remember each of it. Every time you beat it, like depending on what color you pick, like you you destroy whatever monster is associated with that. So when you get to the fourth playthrough, all the other ones are dead. So. There become there's a fourth one that appears that basically mm-hmm. kills everything when when you get when you get to the ending the special ending or whatever and I thought that was rep- that represented the purple the purple color if I remember correctly it's been a long time since I've played it but I'm pretty sure that was how that was how it ended I don't know yeah just a just a really good game all around like I, I'm so surprised that it hasn't been re-released in some fashion you know I know the company I guess the company doesn't really exist anymore but they had tried to uh, the developers or whatever, the people that made Eternal Darkness tried to get a crowdfunding for a sequel and tried multiple times and there just wasn't enough of a of an of interest, I guess. So we may never see a sequel to this. This may be the only way you could ever play this game is on the GameCube. Yeah, that's why it's uh it's still pretty pricey. It's a great game though. Uh but but yeah, no, at what we what you were about to say, the a very, very cool effect of it is uh you have your health meter, you have your magic meter, and you also have your sanity meter. And uh, every time you see a monster or whatever, your sanity meter goes down a little bit. And if your sanity meter gets low enough, they start this, these sanity effects start happening, like where, where there might be like bugs crawling across the screen or like, or like the volume will go down on the, on the, on the thing. Or wall breaking stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or, or one of my, or like one of my favorite ones, like where it tells you that the controller is not communicating with the GameCube and then all of a sudden you get killed and, or like there was one where you try to heal yourself and you die and your head falls off and then it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, just, just kidding. Or like, uh, or like when you try to save and it, and it's gonna and it says it's gonna delete your file like all this stuff that would make like your skin crawl as a gamer wasn't was there really one cool. that like gives you a false ending and then like does an advertisement for Eternal Darkness two or... yeah yeah I think it's in the second or third chapter or whatever it does yeah. that where it's like oh and that's the end uh to be continued next time like in the next installment and it's like what yeah yeah that that one was fun I recall the like I lived in a you know I've told the story on the show before but I lived in a, a cabin in the woods literally I was working at this camp in uh northwest indiana like in the woods and um i was living in a cabin there you know literal like rustic cabin and we had a roach problem because it wasn't like cockroaches it was like wood roaches like the really big ones that live in the trees underneath the bark and stuff and they could fly too it's great um anyway they were in our you know cabin from time to time and it's nothing there's no insect that gives me the creeps more than roaches like i just can't take them i hate they're, roaches, I hate they're roaches too so smart much. yeah it's it's me too they're they're so smart and they're so gross at the same time um i hate them so much but anyway there's a scene there's a sanity effect where a roach w- walks across the screen or a couple of roaches walk across the screen i thought a fucking roach was walking across my tv screen like, yeah I you believed it, it. Real, <laughs> and i like yelled like it really got me and it wasn't i don't know i don't know if a video game's ever like there's like some examples with i think i've said pony island fucked with my head a little bit there's I can't think of a game fucking with my head quite like that any time before it where I really they really had me real life Jeremy scared of the environment of my own surroundings. It was cool. Yeah, they got you. I mean it, it totally got me a couple times too. And like I said, since I played through it four times, like like on the like second or third playthrough, 
I just let the sanity meter just go to nothing, and I just walk through the whole game like that because that's the best way to play it. Because just so you can see everything, and you know the 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 screen will kind of tilt. We'll do like the Dutch angle thing, you know, and and you hear like the as you could hear from my little clip there, like the voice in the background be like doing like the whispering and all that in the background. Yeah, the and it's and it'll like talk to you, and there's like babies and like all this weird shit, like babies crying, and you know you'll hear. All this fun stuff in the background, and it's yeah, it's great. Would you it's say it's a little like bit Lynchian, like a little bit like his like weird like dream sequences in um oh like in uh and Twin Peaks and Firewalk with me? It's a bit like like the backwards speech yeah. reversed or yeah reversed to regular, but also backwards. Maybe kind of. Um, I, I looked at the ending again. So the, the main so the character man the character Mantarok, which is a big giant purple thing. Uh, yeah. Basically, thanks you for destroying the the other three agents and proceeds to take over the world uh, after you after you do that. And I I thought it was the that it was the like the purple you know represented by the purple runes because it's the one that's outside of everything. But it, it but the, but the, yeah, the basically the twist ending is like oh yeah no you it by destroying all these other things you actually unleash an even neither even like scarier thing. Nice. So yeah, and it's like, all right, no, end of the world. There you go. It's all your fault. But great game, yeah. <laughs> Eternal Darkness. We can move on if you're done with that. I'm good. My number nine is a game from a series that I later went on to love very much, even more than I loved this game on the GameCube. It's Hitman Two. Oh, Hitman Two. Yeah, Hitman, I, for, the original I Hitman forgot. 2, I forgot that Assassin. was a GameCube game. I forgot. It was on GameCube. Yeah, it was not. It was like originally on PS2. And then a long time later, like a year or so later, it came to came to GameCube. That's part of the reason why I liked it, because I knew that there was, you know, back in the GameCube era, it was mostly Nintendo stuff and, you know, a smattering of third party games that were mostly geared towards kids. And here was a proper PS2 mature game being released on the GameCube. And it was one that had intrigued me because I just like I like the stealth aspect that, you know, I enjoy stealth games. I did back then, even more so now. Um, I, I loved that in the era of the post-GTA 3, when everything was about making an open world and just running and gunning, here was something that was similar to that, but used restraint and punished you for running and gunning. And it just created this tension, which I really hadn't... It's a type of tension that I hadn't experienced in a video game before, where you're supposed to just sneak in, Pretend to obey the rules, but break them when nobody's looking. And that just created a whole lot of, of entertaining experiences. Like in one level in particular, I remember you going to this big fancy party and on the GameCube, first of all, just, just seeing like, you know, 40 NPCs in a room, that alone was something new because that, you know, you, you couldn't really see that on that 64. But here's this party with a bunch of people. And I'm supposed to sneak in there and take somebody out without making a scene. And Oh, it was just so cool. Um, I, th- I thought that game was amazing at the time. I put a lot of hours into that one. And incidentally, I picked it up uh, at a Best Buy for like 20 bucks or something. I, like, I got a really good deal on it. I don't think it sold that well. And I think it, it went pretty quick to the discount section. But hey, I, I made good on that. So Hitman 2, Silent Assassin. Uh, the start of what would... Go on to become uh, a favorite series of mine. 
Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I was always. I was thrown for a loop when you were so excited about Hitman Three. I was like, I don't remember hear John, hearing John ever talk about Hitman. But you know, here we are, five hundred hours yeah. later or whatever, or six hundred, right. how many you have in there? So what was it? So Hitman Two, obviously that was the you know the numerical second installment in right. the series. But there were several others right between two. After that, yeah, there was, was like Blood uh, Money, and there was like so they started to have different names so was three the first true like return of form was it supposed to be like a direct sequel to two or was three just because there was also like a different hitman one and two right because you because you bought those on switch as well like uh, through the cloud and played through those so it goes hitman one you know hitman on playstation uh and then there's hitman two silent assassin after that there's a couple of them and i i can't remember the there's blood money there's, I don't know. We could, we could look it up. It's a contract. There was, Hitman there wasn't a hit, was after that. Yeah, there then, wasn't then a Hitman money. three in the original incarnation. That they, they just went on to, you know, uh, other different names and stuff. But then in 2016, they rebooted it and called it Hitman again. Okay, and that's the uh, the World of Assassins trilogy, as you yep. referred to it. Where does Hitman Go fall in here? Where does Hitman Go fall in? It's a spinoff. Hitman Go Pantheon. is the origin story. It goes way at the yeah. beginning. You know. Gotcha. Uh, I'll I'll give you two guesses when Hitman 2 came out originally, not on GameCube. 2002. 2002. There you go. Another one for the the special year. It's like October of 2002 for the PlayStation 2 version. 2002 is going to be a hot topic of this episode, I think. Oh, yeah. It's it's, it's an excellent year. I'm just saying. This is some of my favorite games. The GameCube one came out. It's the first full year of the GameCube. The GameCube was 2003, I think. True. GameCube came out on uh, June seventeenth, two thousand three. Yeah, but the original one, the PlayStation one, October first, two thousand two. So True. there you go. Yeah, I, I do. I, there's. I've said this before on the show. I think I bought this game, and uh, did not do any of the sneaking around stuff. I basically put it in first person mode and played it like Doom and killed everyone and beat it in like a day, and then I returned <laughs> it. <laughs> this is basically what happened with this game. I had fun with it, but yeah, I did not. I don't like I I mean as much as I like like Metal Gear Solid games I really do not like sneaking around like it's uh it can be really annoying so 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 I just get frustrated and I just start shooting everybody and that's what I did in that game and it was fun that you could actually play it like that I guess I played it like a first person shooter and you could even put it in first person I just went through and killed everybody and that's how I how I played the game and at least it gave me that option to do that and I did have fun with it in that way so yeah <laughs> It's one eight. that it's. I already I already did this one, so I don't need to spend any time on it. My number eight is Rogue Leader. Is uh, Star Wars Rogue Squadron Two Rogue Leader? We already talked about that. So cool. On to Jeremy. We got Jeremy for my number eight. I've got Tales of Symphonia. Oh, which oh, nice. is actually out on the Switch. It also came to I believe it was. Uh, they did a sequel of it on the Wii. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Symphonia Two. 
Um, so Tales of Symphonia on the GameCube was a fairly late uh, life cycle release for the GameCube. In fact, I think it was part of a lot of, I don't know, I, it was one of those games where maybe originally it wasn't going to come out here and then it got released here. Or am I confusing mm. that with something else? Uh, Tales of Symphonia was 2003. So it's not that. You know, I'm thinking of uh, actually, Xenoblade. No, actually, no, uh, that's that's Japan. That's Japan to release. 2004 in, in America. Yeah. So anyway, never mind. Yeah, that was pretty late in the life of the GameCube. Like the GameCube was kind of getting neglected by that point, even though it was only the third full year of its life cycle in the U.S. But no, I just remember this was this was when I was living with my uh, cousin and his fiance at the time, and she always just found really good. Like, well, her brother worked at they they were engaged. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought they because they broke up. Like they didn't get married, right? You're they talking, never got married, but they were engaged. You talk about right? Sarah? I, yeah, I, I yeah. didn't. Know, I didn't know they ever were engaged. I guess because yeah. they broke up, I figured they weren't engaged. They were, but it wasn't like I don't think anybody bought the jewelry or whatever. But oh, okay, they talked about it. But anyway, uh, they were living together at the time, and Sarah's brother worked at a game store. I think it was. Um, it wasn't GameStop. It was actually like it was a game store that was like popular in Northwest Indiana. That was more of a more of like a mob pod. I can't remember what it was called, but, but he worked there. And so he would bring home all the good games. You know, he got to play them in a, and at the time I just wasn't very, I didn't have very much money. I was working basically just part-time at the time I was living in Danville. I was just stressing myself out to make ends meet. Couldn't really buy games. And so it, it kind of fallen off. And I think by then my GameCube didn't work anymore. So I was playing my roommate's fiance's GameCube when she brought Tales of Symphonia and said, hey, you got to play this. This is great. David won't stop talking about it. He just beat it recently, and now he's letting us borrow it. Yeah, I played the shit out of Tales of Symphonia. It was like, it was my first truly, like, 3D RPG that, like, I actually finished. Like, yeah, I actually played all the way game. through it. I love it. It, it was so good. It, there was never a moment in that game where I was, like, bored. Like, it had a job system. I finally understood job systems. It had, like, all this extra dialogue you could uh, Cooking engage too. in. Yeah, had to, had cooking, there's uh, extra dialogue you could get while you were just traveling in between spots in the world. Oh, yeah, little skits that they'd uh, that they'd like yeah. talk to each other. I always thought that was really cool. I yeah, I I bought and beat this game as well. Even though I thought it was I thought it was kind of a little bit on the easy side. I, I did like it, but once I got like one move, I just used it on everybody. And <laughs> it was kind of like I do recall just, a lot just of hold up hold type. up hold up the two analog sticks and you do this flip yeah. with Lloyd and it'll basically kill everyone. I recall doing a lot of spammy type stuff, but at the same time I you know, I was still investing my 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 points into my characters and and you know, switching out their jobs and stuff. So, it it's had a really nice robust RPG system and it still felt old school even though it was a fully 3D RPG, I think it was still like uh, random battles to a certain extent, but then you would also like you were doing like real time. Yeah, you it battles. would it would like flip to a. We talked about this. Like, it kind of flipped to like a two D sort of thing where you kind of like walk back and forth, but you could change who you were targeted on, so you could kind of move yeah. towards whoever it is. So it was kind of like the old Tales of games, but but. 3d more 3d ish and i remember they were yeah, there were these big black point. blobs that you would want to run into that were on the map that would turn it into a would switch it to the fighting mode or whatever yeah we and actually just, all uh, own this game i bought this game uh just because I, yeah, I was still like coming off the n64 and you know being jealous of the playstation which could show things like movies and you know and anime cutscenes and all that 
like anytime a, a, a game with with you know anime cutscenes came to the GameCube, my, my attention was raised, and I was like, oh, "Cool, I want to get this game. I don't care if it's an RPG. It's, this is like it's cool. We got an anime game on on the GameCube." So I I don't I didn't actually play it that much. I got it a little bit later. I think I got it on the I think I have the player's choice version, I believe. So I think I got it for like ten bucks, and I really. I, I would doubt that I even put like five hours into this game. So I don't really recall it at all. I but mean, you, I own it. You, you could have got, I mean, it was a little, it's a little bit more actiony. So maybe if you, if you were returned to it now, maybe you'd be a little bit more into it because it's, you know, cause it's not really like press a button and then they do a thing, you know, it's, it's I don't not think like the that. story exactly holds up. Well, I think it's a very tropey, uh, uh, amnesiac main character, blah, blah, kind of like a JRPG experience, but it was fun. I I don't know. I really liked it. It was what I needed at the time. Like I really needed. Like I said, I was just stressed out. I wasn't working as much as I needed to. I didn't have any money, and I'm sitting at home, just like sick of playing Guitar Hero. And uh, yeah, we get to like revive the GameCube. This this new game that I haven't played on the GameCube. The GameCube was very like scant on releases at the time, and I just I just loved this game so much. Could have could have been uh, some of uh, Namco and Nintendo's first like collaboration together before like uh, Smash Brothers and all that. So because I know that's that's kind of where it came from was they decided they want to do a, a game together for GameCube and there you go. Um, it this this one yeah you said this one was re released for for uh, Switch and it's yep. a shame because it doesn't run as well as the GameCube version because I guess they lost the code Clever. for the GameCube one so it was based on the PlayStation version which is Ooh. which which is not as good so. So you don't get the 60 frames per second that was on GameCube, which is like, that was like 20 years ago. You should be able to do it on here. Yeah. And there's a bunch of other like kind of glitches on it. I, I really wanted to get it, but I heard that there were a lot of, there was like missing dialogue and like some like parts where it kind of freezes for no reason. And I think they've patched it a lot since then. So hopefully it's better now. So I'm still kind of like, maybe I'll try that version, but it's just really, it's just, it just saddens me that it's not the GameCube version, that it's not like a, a prettied up version of the GameCube one that just runs better than any of the other ones. So I think as, as far as like tales fans go, this one's usually pretty held pretty high um, for its story and stuff. But I think, you know, it's, if you're looking to like follow the tropes and stuff, you're going to, you're going to find them here. But I, once again, it was just, it was at the right place at the right time on the right system for me. And tales of symphony just kicked out of the, kicked it out of the park. Really pretty too. And it had like anime yeah. cutscenes and like, animated. and it was, uh, yeah, it was like yeah. cel shaded. So yeah. and it, it just looked really, really good. And, and that style characters was... look really nice. And I, I liked, I liked the characters. Like I liked, and there was right. that one guy who like was arrested and he wore his like handcuffs all the time and he just kicked people. Yeah. Like that was my favorite character. And the whole thing was the guy that kicked everyone. But yeah, no, I always, I liked that, you know, it was like, Oh, I've, I'm like trying to like, you know, do whatever. You know, I'm uh, do do my time for my sins or whatever. You know, th- those type of characters. I always like those characters. I remember the story reminding me a lot of a uh, lunar silver oh, star yeah. story oh, when sure. I played it. So it's got similar things happening in it as that game if you've ever played it. But it's still great. It's very anime. Yeah, I had I had a good time with it. I I have the sequel too, but I never played the sequel. Same, but I did. But I did buy it. I do own it. I have not played it, but I did play this one all the way through and it was yeah I, I mean i had enough fun with it that i stuck through it i just i just remembered i thought some of the battles got kind of easy later in the game but that's fine number eight time splitters two yeah. we'll <laughs> there it is Boom. time splitters two hey hey you it's me 
Mario. Yeah, you. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon to hear our bonus shows, which happen every month. I'm a tired. Tired of all the big corporate podcasts spoon-feeding you the same old video game news on every single show. Ah, spaghetti. Ah, ravioli. Then expand! With Nintendo Main Expansion Pack. It's us talking about old games that were important to us. It's us interviewing people that we meet at conventions. And heck, it's live shows from those same conventions. It's basically everything you could want that Nintendo Main ever made. Here we go! And it's just a buck a month. That's less than a bad indie on the eShop. It's $12 a year, which is less than Nintendo Switch Online. <laughs> Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon and supporting Nintendo Main. Just go to patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast and... Hey, Mario, let go! He's throwing us back to the show! So long, gay Bowser! Patreon.com slash Nintendo Main Podcast! Game over!